Well, I know that's really strange hearing that I'm a preacher and a lawyer. Some of you are saying, I didn't even know you'd be a Christian and a lawyer. <laughs> but I am, and I'm a church lawyer. I defend churches. We have over 100 churches across the U.S. that we defend. Your church is, is one of our churches, and, and uh, so I try to use my law degree for that from Texas A&M. I knew you were there. You know, I went to SFA for one day. I quit. Yes, I left. I, I, I couldn't make it. I just wasn't lumberjack. Uh, I got homesick. So I had this girl that I was trying to date and marry, and she's sitting right there on the front row. Her name's Becky. And so anyway, I, I went back home. I was saved as an atheist when I was 21 years of age. I tried to disprove Christianity, but I discovered there is powerful information from science, history, archaeology, many different areas which demonstrate beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christianity is the truth. And since then, I've dedicated my life to helping people understand not only how to become a Christian, but why they should become a Christian. And I've become a defender of the faith. And I defend the faith in the theological arena. I also defend it in the legal arena. Now, don't let that bother you that I'm a lawyer. You know, we have special laws for lawyers here in Texas. Did you know that if you're a lawyer in Texas and you die, special law, you have to be buried at least six feet under. <laughs> Do you know why that is? Because deep down, we're good people. Yes. <laughs> Very, the deeper, the better. But I am licensed all the way up to the Supreme Court of the United States of America defending the three C's. We defend Christ, we defend churches, and we defend Christians. Now, today I want to talk to you about religious liberty. Now, I don't know if you know this, but our religious liberty in the United States of America is in trouble. You know, most countries in this world do not have religious liberty. Most countries in this world do not have free speech. But here in the United States of America, those things were set up by our founding fathers and our Constitution. We have things that protect us today that allow us to be here. Uh, one is the free exercise clause, which we are able to freely exercise our religion uh, here today, and we also have the Establishment Clause, which we'll talk about more in just a moment, but today I'm telling you uh, that we are in danger in America of losing some of our religious liberty values. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. Now, this is quite amazing where you're turning in your Bible, because this is the exact same place where you were last week, and I saw your youth minister preach the message. It was a fine, fine message. And I'm going to preach today on Daniel 6. And by the way, I watched your services online. And I saw your pastor, uh, uh, Dr. Deere, preach on Daniel chapter 2. And I, I, I never, I've never met him. I want to meet him. Uh, I'm trying to friend him on Facebook. So if you, if you see him, tell him. Put a word in for me. Anyway... I watched him preach on Daniel chapter, and I must tell you, that was one of the finest messages I've ever heard. That, he is really a, a, a fine, fine preacher. And so uh, I didn't know, though, that y'all were in Daniel and that, uh, that this was going on. But today we're going to talk about Daniel chapter 6, and it's the story 
of how faith is made illegal. You know, imagine if somebody passed a law that it was illegal to pray. This is what happened in Babylon. They had a king, his name was Darius, and Darius had a big problem in the nation of Babylon because the people of Babylon were embezzling. Um, Many people were working for the government, they had corruption, they had graft everywhere. The king didn't know what to do, so he decided to appoint a man who had served in his country faithfully before. He appointed a man named Daniel. Now, Daniel, when he was appointed, was 85 years of age, just a youngster. Do we have anybody here that's 85 years or older? Would you raise your hand? Look at all these spring chickens here. Now, Daniel was 85 here when he was just getting started. So don't let let anybody ever tell you that that you're old. I mean, Daniel, he's 85 years of age. He's been serving for 70 years. He's on his third king. And Daniel sets out to fix all of this corruption. Well, um, he does it. Now, you would think that Daniel would have got a standing ovation. He would have got luncheons held in his honor. No, that's not what happened. Look with me beginning at verse 4. It says they were angry. It says, Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. You know, Daniel did the right thing. And because of that, he got put under the microscope. They launched a full-scale investigation on him. The FBI, the CIA, they put him under an IRS audit. They began to find anything they could on him. And guess what they found? Nothing. Has anybody ever said that about you? That I could find no fault in this person. That's that's how your mama described you, wasn't it? I mean... Now, I mean, you know, I, no one's ever, ever said that about me. But in Daniel, um, these men said, look, we can't find anything wrong with him. So in verse 5, these men said, we will not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Now, listen, here's what they did. They weaponized his own faith against him. I'm telling you, there is coming a time here in the United States of America that our very own faith is going to be weaponized against us. The time is coming when the Bible is going to be declared hate speech. And if you hold to general principles of the Bible, let me tell you something. There's coming a time that you're going to be in trouble. I wish that some of you could just work one week in our law offices in South Lake, Texas, and hear the phone calls that we get. Our our faith is already under attack in America, and I'm telling you, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. You know, if you're a Christian, we believe the Bible is the very Word of God. And because we believe this Bible is the Word of God, we believe that this Bible is truth. Not only truth, but we believe it is absolutely true. We believe it is powerfully true, absolutely true. Now, some people in this world say that there is no such thing as absolute truth. I mean, 
They say that some people say that truth is subjective. I mean, even the greatest philosopher of our age says there's no such thing as absolute truth. You know who that is, right? Oprah Winfrey? (laughs) Yes. So you get on her show, she's going to set you on her couch, and she's going to say, tell us your truth. Well, I believe that God is absolute truth, and what he says is absolutely true. And so if it's in the word and God says it, I believe it. Now, even if that goes against the grain of society, you know what? I'm going to follow him because, you know, when I gave my life to Christ when I was 21 years of age and I was an atheist, I decided once and for all I was going to go with the man who came back from the dead. You know, there's a lot of religious voices in our world, but they can't do miracles like Jesus did. They can't raise the dead. They can't come back from the, from the grave like Jesus did to demonstrate that he is the truth. But you're going to find the longer that we live in this country that if you are a person of faith, faith is going to become much more attacked in our world. Look at verse 7, what happened in Babylon. They said, whoever makes petition to any god or any man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions. Verse 9 says they put it in writing, they passed it as unrepealable, and then the worst thing about the whole thing is in verse 10, the king signed it. Later on, he's going to go, who signed that? Like you did. You know, when you start passing so many laws, um, eventually you're going to have so many laws that you can't even keep track of them. I mean, you know, today in the United States of America, the amount of laws that we have is absolutely astounding. I mean, you can, you can barely keep up with it. And so the king, he signs this. Um, and what they did was they made faith illegal in Babylon. Now, these people were out to get Daniel. They knew that he play, prayed three times a day. And they knew that he prayed openly. He didn't hide it. Now, let me ask you a question. In Nacogdoches, Texas, if they passed a law that said it was illegal to pray, what would you do? Would you just crawl off in a corner and go, you know what, I, I guess I can't pray anymore uh, because they've made it illegal and I want to be a law-abiding citizen and, and uh, you know, uh, what should I do? Well, what did, what did Daniel do? Well, first of all, we learned that they passed this law behind his back and in verse 10 it says this, that Daniel learns about it after it passes. Now, he's one of the highest officials in Babylon. Here's a question. Do you think if Daniel would have known that this law was going to pass, do you think he would have, in advance, that he would have tried to do something about it? You know, that's the question. It's a hypothetical question. I think that he would have tried to do something about it, which brings me to this point. If you were living in the United States of America and you saw that faith was being attacked in different sectors of our country, do you think that we should do something about it? You know, we have a lot of legislation that's coming up, coming down the pike. We're not seeing as much of it here in Texas, but we are seeing some of it in other states, which are attacking some of the foundations of the Christian Bible. And so, you know, there's a lot of people in our country. Our country has been changing decade by decade, very exponentially rapidly. And, and people are, many people are saying, you know, there's really no place 
for God in our government anymore. And, you know, when this nation was founded, God was all over the government. Um, but beginning in 1947, in the 40s, uh, there was a Supreme Court case called Everson versus Board of Education. And what was interesting about this Supreme Court decision, which I'll tell you very, I, I disagree with very, very much, um, it basically said that the Establishment Clause applies to states and local governments via the 14th Amendment. Now, we talked about the Free Exercise Clause a moment ago when we mentioned the Establishment Clause, but what is the Establishment Clause? Passed in 1791. The Establishment Clause, and this is important to understand, the Establishment Clause says that Congress shall make no law establishing religion. And people will say, well, there it is. You can't have God in government. That's not what that says, what the Establishment Clause says. In fact, you would have if you lived in 1791 when these Bill of Rights were passed, you would have understood uh, what was happening there. Because in 1791, this is strange what I'm about to tell you, but six states had state religions. Yeah. And so when you would give your tax money, you would you give your tax money, it would go to pay the ministers of that particular denomination, and they had different ones. And so several people began to be concerned that the, the national government may adopt one of these denominations and become a national religion, just like some of the states had state-sponsored religion. And so they passed the Establishment Clause, Congress, Federal Congress shall make no law establishing religion. Now, we know, contrary to what Everson versus Board of Education said, that that did not, 100% did not apply to states or municipalities or local governments because in 1791, guess what was going on after they passed this? They prayed in Congress. Yep. Um, they swore officials in with the Bible. By the way, did you know the first president to get sworn in on the Bible was George Washington? Because he was the first president. But, yes, but he was the, he was the very first one who did that. And since then, uh, you know, they began to do it. Do you know in 1791 and 1792 and 1793, they had regular sermons before Congress and the Senate. Uh, uh, official chaplains opened with prayer. And so, you know, just because we have an establishment clause doesn't mean that we're trying to get God out of our society and that God can only be found in church houses. That's not what the establishment clause, clause says. So a law passes in Babylon that says it's illegal to pray. What does Daniel do? Verse 10, it says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. You know, I don't know what you would do if that law was passed in Nacogdoches. I mean, uh, you know, you could, if they said, hey, you can't pray in Texas for 30 days, you could, you could do something clever. You could go to Oklahoma for 30 days and you could pray there. You could you could try to pray in secret, and maybe no one would catch you violating the law. Um, but Daniel, you know what? He said, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to pray. Now, here's the most interesting thing about 
this passage of Scripture, is did you know that this law was passed for the whole country, but how many people got arrested? You can do it all on one finger. Um, even us at Texas A&M, we can, we can count this one up. There was only one who was arrested and charged. And isn't that strange? And the reason is, is because this was a targeted law. See, Daniel was told to stand down. There's coming a time when you're going to get told to stand down. What are you going to do? Well, I'll tell you what Daniel did. And by the way, the world's looking. I believe God is looking for Daniels. I believe God's looking for Daniels today. As I speak this message today, I believe God is, 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 is going to speak to someone here today, and he's going to challenge you to be a Daniel. You know, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the earth looking for a heart that is completely his. And Daniel says, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stand up. You know, when you stand up, you'll stand out. And when you stand out, you'll become a target. Now, I know some of you may say, well, man, I don't know about standing up like that or standing up for my faith. And, and you know, that sounds kind of risky. And, and you know, I, I don't know about going against the grain. And, and I, I'm kind of scared to do that. I'll show you in a minute why it's always the right thing to do the right thing. But, you know, the story even gets more interesting. Because the main person who got blindsided in this, Daniel got blindsided. But I'll tell you who got blindsided. And it was kind of amazing. The king got blindsided. He was like, who was the dummy who signed that? It's like, you, O king. And so verse 14 says, then the king, when he heard these words, he was much distressed. And he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. But the most powerful man in the country, he finds out that a bad law is passed and tries to do something to stop it. Was he successful? No. There's a lesson to be learned here ladies and gentlemen, of Nacogdoches, Texas. And that is this, that we should never allow, allow bad laws to pass in the first place. Now, the, the percentage of Christians that we have in this world, we used to be the moral majority. Man, we, we, we had it. But let me tell you something. Our numbers are beginning to shrink in the United States of America. There was a time that you didn't have to worry about voting. You didn't have to worry about showing up at the school board meeting. Because you know what? There was always some good people here at First Baptist Nacogdoches that would do it for you. You didn't have to. But the day is coming when we're all going to have to stand together. We're going to have to join hands and we're going to have to unite. And we're going to have to take a stand. You know, how bad? You think, how bad could it get though, Frank? I mean, it can't get that bad. Here's how bad it got in, in Babylon. They passed a law against prayer. And guess what the penalty was? Death! Sounds fair to me, right? Sound good to y'all? But it's worse than that. It was death by cats. Now, how many of you in here are not ashamed to admit you're a cat person? Yes? I see those hands. We just came from my mother-in-law's house, and she have 13 cats, cat lady. I mean, she's a cat person. I mean, you know, when you go in, there's cats, and I'm allergic to cats. God bless. I mean, there's only two kinds of people in the world. There's cat people and dog people, and I'm just saying, you know, you figured out which one, which one I am. But I mean, death by cats! He 
You say, well, they see, I say, I, I, that would be a great penalty for me because cats know their people. And cats would never do anything to me. Do you think if you were your cat size and your cat was your size, it wouldn't eat you? I don't know. That's just a hypothetical question. But you say, well, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, you, know, you know, cats, they, 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 they wouldn't. You know, and, and by the way, let's be fair to the cats. Did you know, and a lot of people don't know this, and I bet you're going to learn something today. I bet you didn't know when you came to church you can hear something you never heard before. Did you know, well, you know this. Did you know it is against God's law for a human to murder another human? Everybody knew that. Thou shalt not kill. But did you know it's in the Bible that it is forbidden for an animal to kill a human? And if it does, it will be held accountable to God. You can look it up. It's in Genesis 9-5. Do you know what that means? <laughs> you know what that means? I, it's hard for me to tell you this, but your cat knows there's a God. Oh, yeah! Yeah! The animals know. Your dog, Fluffy, knows more than an atheist here in town that there's a God. And these poor cats are asked to break God's law and eat Daniel. I mean, you got to kind of feel sorry for the cats, don't you? You say, well, if it was me, I wouldn't got eaten because, you know, I mean, I would probably just like stick my leg out and let them have a, you know, an appetizer and save my life. Well, that's not the way lions eat. You know, lions don't eat fried chicken the way we eat fried chicken. You know, dark meat, white meat. Lions don't even eat muscle. You know what they eat? They eat vital organs. Do you know why they call vital organs vital organs? Because they're vital, okay? <laughs> that's what they're going to try to eat first, and I mean, these lions eat 30% of their body weight. Okay, that's like somebody my size eating 200 quarter pounders for cheese for, for lunch. And so Daniel, you know, I mean, and that's just in, in one sitting. And so these lions have the strength of 14 men, and so da Daniel is surely going to his death, but Daniel doesn't die. And the speaker last week told you why he didn't die. Because God sent an angel. May I tell you something today? Did you know that God has angels for people who do the right thing? When the time comes in your life that you need to take a stand for your faith, when you need to stand up for God, let me tell you something. God has your back. He has protection from you, for, for you. And I mean, God has all kinds of angels. He has a a lion taming angel, he has earthquake angels, he has special angels for people who do the right thing. And Daniel was delivered from the lion's den. But this story is not over. Uh, look at verse 24, and I'm about to close, by the way. I always tell people that, you know, when I'm almost done, I'm going to say these words, and I close. Because it really relaxes people. They go, oh, he knows where he's at, he's watching the time, he's good. So I just tell young preacher boys, I mean, just watch me. You know, so, and I'll say, just a second, just wait for the cue. I'll say, and I close. Now, that's why I close six or seven times, because it really helps people. They love it. But I'll be closing here in just a second. But before that, let's look at verse 24. It says, and the king commanded, and those who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. Now, watch this. They, their children, and their wives. You know, if you're, if you're a child, 
watching or listening today, do you think it's fair that you get punished for something your parents do? If you're a wife here today, do you think it's fine for you to get the death penalty for something that your husband did? I mean, this is, this is terrible. It says, before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. Did you know that when people try to pass bad laws designed to hurt God, what it actually does is it hurts the innocent. You know, we live in a world today which, you know, when I was an atheist, uh, you know, I, I would hear my fellow atheists say, you know, religion is the opiate of the masses. Religion has caused more evil than all other institutions put together. But after I began to study Christianity, I began to realize, no, that's not true. The reason that we have orphanages is because of the Christian faith. Hospitals, schools, universities, uh, on and on and on, benevolence organizations, all these things were founded by the Christian faith. And let me tell you something, when you take God out of the world, the world becomes a scary place. And I close. Look at all those smiles. Oh, Becky, you should see. You should the choir is smiling too, man. This is, this, is, this is just great. So I want to close with uh, one scripture, verse 17. It says, And then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. That's interesting. Because they put him in a cave. They rolled a stone across the entrance. They had soldiers guarding it. They sealed it. Does that sound familiar? 600 years later, his name wouldn't be Daniel, but his name would be Jesus. Like Daniel, he would face death. There was no lions, but it was a cross. He was nailed to a cross. Why was Jesus nailed to a cross? He was nailed to the cross because of your sins and my sins. You know, Daniel... He didn't know whether he would live or die. But Jesus knew he would die. He died, but he came back from the grave to demonstrate that he has absolute truth and you can follow him. You know, only one person in this story was charged, Daniel. And, you know, I would rather live in a world full of Daniels than a world full of lions. And I just, that's my prayer, that God would raise up some Daniels today, not just Daniels, but some King Dariuses too. You know, there's people in here today that you have a kingdom. You may say, well, Frank, I don't have a kingdom. I'm not the king over anything, but you really are. We all have kingdoms. If you have a business, you have a kingdom. If you have a, every one of you have a sphere of influence. And, and you know, there's a time when you may have to use that sphere of influence for God. A time when you may have to take a stand for your faith and say, you know, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my Chick-fil-A, we're going to serve the Lord. You have a kingdom. And today, God is trying to look for some Daniels. He's trying to look for some kings. Maybe it might be you. Would you bow with me for prayer? Father, I pray for everyone listening today. Father, I pray that you would strengthen our resolve to live for you in a world which is growing more and more hostile. Help us to stand for you, to be the light, to be the salt. 
to be the difference in somebody's life because it only takes one person to stand to change the whole country. And Father, today, right here in Nacogdoches, Texas, I pray that you would begin to touch hearts. You would begin to touch lives. Help that person today do that first step, that first right thing. Do the right thing today that they may go on to greatness. That's my prayer for everybody listening. Do the right thing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're here today and you've never professed Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we're about to have just a moment of invitation. And if you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, or you've done it recently but you haven't went public, I invite you to come. There's going to be someone standing here at the front. Maybe you'd like to join this wonderful church, this great church, and it was such a a joy to see the former pastor reading Scripture today. And he told me the story about how he wanted to stay in the community because he loved this church, and he stayed here to live here. What a great testimony for this church. And maybe you're looking for a church home today. And maybe you found it. Would you come today if God has spoken to you? Or what an incredible testimony that we had today of baptisms. Three incredible baptisms. And maybe you were sitting there thinking, I wish that would have been me. Well, it could be you. And this invitation's for you. Why don't you come down and say, look, I want to do that. I want to give my testimony by baptism. Would everybody stand right now? And if God is speaking to you to make one of these decisions, you come right now as we sing.